We Are SC pregame podcast, Colorado edition. Uh, the Trojans traveling to Boulder on Saturday, 1 o'clock kickoff time, and uh, a chance to clinch a spot in the Pac-12 title game. And uh, for those who have noticed, it has been since 2008 that the Trojans have co- captured a conference title. And so when you're talking about a storied program like USC, that's just, uh, that's just too long between uh, championships. And so the opportunity to go out there and get that done this week uh, is a welcome opportunity, and it would be great to see happen. Now, let's be clear, USC only needs to win one of the two games remaining on the regular season schedule, either Colorado this week or UCLA the following week. But, boy, it sure would be nice to uh, to clinch it this weekend and then focus on the UCLA game next week just for the sake of, uh, of focusing on the Bruins. And so uh, what kind of opponent is Colorado sitting there waiting for the Trojans? They were, after all, the uh, Pac-12 South representative in the title game last year. But it, it's a different season. There was a lot of losses last year, especially on defense uh, for the Buffs. Three of their defensive backs going on to the NFL. Uh, every contributing defensive lineman uh, moved on and is no longer with the program. So uh, they are sitting here right now at 2-5 and five in the conference, the bottom of the Pac-12 South, 5-5 five and five overall, and uh, looking to this game uh, – a chance to win in this game and become bowl eligible. But uh, when you're looking at the, the, the matchups and a quick check of the numbers, um, it's, it's going to be a daunting task for Colorado, even if it is going to be senior day on Saturday. It's going to be a blackout in the stands uh, with the black shirts for everybody, and they're going to be fired up trying to be bowl eligible. But uh, their defense is ranked number one, 103 in the nation in rushing defense. They are giving up 200 yards a game. The Trojans have momentum right now in the run game. The last two weeks, they have ran for over 300 yards. And uh, a lot of that for the Trojan offense is getting healthy on on that side of the ball. Uh, You're seeing the full contingent of tailbacks is going to be available this week uh, with the addition of Michael Pittman and Daniel Imator-Bebe getting healthy in recent weeks. You add them to Deontay Burnett, Tyler Vaughn, Stephen Mitchell. And then now you've got a lot of weapons surrounding Sam Darnold. And, and you were really seeing it in the Trojan offense in, in the last two weeks. And so when, when you are the uh, Colorado defense looking at, uh, looking at how vulnerable they are, boy, if, if there's any hope for them, it's that uh, Toa Lobendon and Chuma Adoga were, were both banged up a little bit on the offensive line, did not practice this week. And so you had Austin Jackson at left tackle, Clayton Johnson at right tackle. But let's, let's face it, those guys have uh, they've played three or four games at this point this season starting. Um, the, the experience is there, and they're not walking in there as wide-eyed as they might have been when they got thrown into the action at Washington State. So uh, – that is where I really see this game in terms of the USC offense against the Colorado defense because I just think it's going to be a struggle for the Buffs to uh, to keep up in that regard, and, and, and USC has some serious momentum on their side. And that's not even mentioning, like I said, if, they, if Sam Darnold gets going, we're just talking the run game so far. So uh, Sam Darnold consistently doing his thing as he continues to play well. Yeah, this should be a big day for the USC offense. You flip it over to the defense. There's a couple injuries for the Trojans right now. Uchenna Nuusu, uh, Porter Gustin is not going to play. Christian Rector's doubtful, so we will probably see Jordan Neosefa at outside linebacker again, and he did just fine last week. And then over in place in Nowusu, we uh, Oluwole Batuku took the n- majority of number one off defensive snaps at that spot in practice this week, but we also saw Levi Jones there yesterday, and that's a young man I, I think a lot of Trojan fans are ready to see more of is, is Levi Jones. He's shown a lot of potential, and uh, it wouldn't be a surprise to see him be the latest guy in recent weeks 
that has been a reserve to this point, but if he gets thrown into the action, let's see how he does. Isaiah Langley's the latest guy, taken over for Biggie Marshall the last couple weeks. Uh, he has played well. Biggie's back this week and worked at the number two spot all week. But, you know, uh, guys like Yosefa, who we mentioned, Christian Rector. So there's been quite a few guys on defense that have gotten their chance and taken advantage of it. And let's see what happens with Olawole Batuku and Levi Jones. You know, we mentioned Levi, but Olawole was a guy who was a very highly ranked guy a year and a half ago, has not done much to this point in his career. Okay, young man, this is a big opportunity for you to go out and get a start in this game. If Nwusu can't go, let's see how that goes. Uh, on the opposite side of the ball, the Colorado offense, that's one area that is pretty familiar when you look over at some of these names. Uh, Steven Montez is the quarterback, and uh, we saw him last year. He was 25 for 40 and 197 yards uh, against the Trojans, and this year he's putting up some decent numbers again. 2,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. So uh, th there is some success there. He's got three senior receivers who are all having de decent uh, numbers. Bryce Bobo, 48 catches. Shea Fields, former USC commit. He's got 45 catches. Then Devin Ross with 38. So they can move the ball around throwing the ball, but their offense revolves around the running back, Philip Lindsay. Uh, this is a guy who just kind of flies under the radar, but he's sitting here right now as the all-time, all-purpose career yardage leader for the Buffaloes. He is fourth in the nation right now with 1,334 yards, and he's the first running back in Colorado history to go over 1,000 yards in back-to-back -back seasons so Philip Lindsay a solid running back some good offensive guys out there but the Trojan defense right now is 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 playing well what they did to Khalil Tate last week in the first half what was was truly impressive and you just have to imagine that with the carrot at the end of the stick after all this team has been through this year sitting at eight and two an opportunity to clinch that, that spot in the title game, boy, you just got the sense at practice this week. These guys are ready to go. It's time to clinch this. It's time to put together a decent game and then come home and take care of the Bruins. So we'll discuss it for the remainder of the podcast. Myself, Johnny Curran, Greg Katz, and Daryl Rideau break down our keys to the game. And then uh, former USC quarterback John Major will give his thoughts on USC offense versus Colorado defense. And former USC linebacker Kevin Bruce, as always, will close us out with his defensively speaking thoughts, USC defense versus Colorado offense. This week in USC practice keys to the game, Gary Paskowitz, Johnny Curran, Greg Katz, and Daryl Rideau. And uh, guys want to talk about just uh, some of the things that each of us think are important to this game. Uh, I'm going to start off with the USC offensive line and the Trojan running game. Uh, a lot of momentum in recent weeks as the offensive line has been settled, uh, especially the young guys getting Andrew Voorhees, Austin Jackson. This is their fourth, fifth game in the lineup, and I think we've seen it. Two games in a row where the Trojans have had 300 yards rushing on the ground, and now you're preparing to face a Colorado team that is second to last or number 11 in the Pac-12. Uh, in giving up 200 yards a game on the ground. Obviously a recipe that you would think bodes well for the Trojans to run the ball in this game. But we do have a couple injuries right now this week. Uh, Toa Lobendon and uh, Chuma Udoga have been battling different things, and so we've seen Austin Jackson at left tackle. We have seen Clayton Johnston at right tackle, and then obviously Andrew Voorhees at right guard. So need if, if we don't see Toa, if we don't see Chuma, need to see those young guys continue to mix in uh, with the lineup and continue that good run game that things are going. I, I just think that's so key for this weekend. Get get that on the ground, pile up some big yardage, to get, bring home this win, and uh, do it running the football. So I'm looking down at those offensive linemen, however that mixes out. I want to see those young guys uh, fit in and continue running the football. Johnny? 
Well, I want to talk about those uh, outside linebackers, you know, at the Predator and Sam's spot, um, especially with the big task they have this week and the big role in uh, trying to limit Phillip Lindsay, you know, the Colorado running back, really the heart and soul of uh, the Buffalo's offense. Um, and it's been an interesting week because you, you've got, you know, Porter Gustin's been out for a while. Um, Christian Rector, you have uh, Connor Murphy, Uchenna Nuoso, all those guys have been out or limited this week in practice. So we've seen uh, Jordan Yosef at the Predator spot had an outstanding game uh, against Arizona. I think that's a pretty solid there, whether anyone else can go or not. On the other side at Sam, we have Wole Batiku, who's been running with the ones all, you know, for a vast majority of the week. And that's going to be an interesting spot to watch. You know, he's in practice, we've seen a lot of potential out of him. Sometimes he'll make some great plays. Sometimes you can see the rawness out of him, too. So it's going to be really interesting to see if he, in fact, does play the majority of the game there like we've seen in practice. Um, also, we've seen Levi Jones a little bit there uh, today on Wednesday, run with the ones a little bit at that Sam spot. The, the freshman, another guy who's shown a lot of promise. So maybe we'll see both of those guys this weekend. Um, on at the, Another guy on the Predator spot, it was interesting, Christian Rector, uh, Coach Elton keeps talking about is starting to do more conditioning, more movement type stuff with the trainer off to the side. And that was flat out asked if there's a chance he could play this weekend and he wouldn't rule out the possibility. It would be a surprise, though, um, especially given the fact how Iosefa has played. It kind of might seem like a good week to give Rector another week off. But again, Helton wouldn't rule it out. Well, I'm going to talk about the excitement of the fact that Trojans can clinch the Pac-12 South title on Saturday. In talking with a couple of the seniors, uh, Nico Fall and Chris Hawkins, this is especially meaningful to them. They played against uh, Stanford in the Pac-12 championship game a couple years ago. Obviously the outcome wasn't what, what we all wanted it to be. And they see this as a chance to really cap their senior year. And uh, Nico said, look, I started, it was my first game I started, it was against uh, Stanford in the Pac-12 championship. And he says, uh, it's amazing how in the course of two years it's intertwined that I, you know, I could be playing my last uh, regular season, if you want to call a conference championship a regular season game, uh, and a chance to redeem myself. Uh, you know, Chris Hawkins says that he, he really wants to see them clinch it on Saturday, not because he thinks it'll add pressure to the UCLA game. He says, you know, the UCLA game has its own life form to itself, but he felt that the fact that they could go to Colorado, they could, they could, they could win. He says, "There's no pressure on us." He says, "But we're very intent." He says, "It's very, very important for the seniors to wrap it up on Saturday, and it'll be very interesting to see." He says he didn't think there was be any extra pressure, but it'll be interesting to watch how the Trojans handle this because this is a meaningful game. And uh, like Coach Helton said today, uh, you know, uh, Colorado, this is their senior day. It's going to be a blackout day. You know, they, one more win, they get to go to a, a bowl game. So there's really something on the line for both teams. It'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. And for a team that's 8-2, and two, I, in more recent years, I've never gone this deep into a season trying to really figure out and define the, the identity of a team that has so many dynamic players but yet because of injuries throughout the whole year and the lack of a, of, of a bye week we've yet to see a finished final product on the field but if you're Sam Darnold and you're going up in Colorado where USC quarterbacks over recent years have bowed and played extremely well there 
you love the fact that you have at least some consistency at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, his trio of wide receivers that he seems to be favoring uh, simply because they show up week in and week out. Of course, you got Deontay Burnett in the slot, Tyler Vaughn, Stephen Mitchell, who I think as he rounds himself into game shape is a very smart receiver that gives another added dimension. But for me, it's the, it's the addition of Daniel Imatorbebe that allows for Darnold to have a balanced look. Two receivers on opposite sides or, as we would call, you know, a, a dime or a four-receiver um, <clears throat> rotation. Having those versatile players should give Darnold size across the middle, which is what he's been lacking. He's been throwing the ball to guys that are six feet and under, it feels like, and those balls have seemed to be getting tipped by tight ends, I mean by, by linebackers as, as he attempts to throw to tight ends. So having that spacing with Burnett and Imator Bebe in the slots should allow for unique matchups because we know that USC should feature a running game, but every time that I thought I understood their game plan going into a week, they surprised me by doing something different. So if they are going to do something different, I like the fact that there is consistency at the wide receiver position, which should allow for wider running lanes for the likes of Ronald Jones II. John Major. Uh, John, let's talk a little USC offense versus Colorado defense. And uh, there's not a whole heck of a lot to talk about when you, when you look at the numbers of this game and, and what the Trojans would want to do. Uh, Colorado is one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. And right now, USC is running the ball with some success, two games of 300 yards in a row. Is that making things too simple? Or, as the Trojans are looking to clinch a spot in the title game, is basically the pattern we've seen the last two weeks, the pattern you would look to exploit in this game. Well, um, Gary, yes. I, again, we're facing a defense that is not great at stopping the run. We saw that with Arizona last week. Really saw it with Arizona State the week before. And now you're going to see it also with UCLA next week. So, mm -hmm. um, And then we're going to run up against Washington, which which is number the number one ranked defense in the country right now, right up there with, with Alabama. I think they're they're averaging only 91 yards that they're giving up. On the, in, in rushing per game. So you have kind of a um, – you're, you're kind of easing into this thing with easy defenses, and then you're going you're gonna to run up against somebody that's, that's really executing on that side of the ball. Um, Colorado, again, they're struggling. They switched defensive quarter, coordinators. Uh, Jim Levitt, who really had them uh, executing on the defensive side of the ball, left to go to Oregon with the new coaching staff. They brought in um, D.J. Elliott, who says he's running the same scheme, but they're just not having the same success. I think they lost some players, and um, they're they're really struggling just to kind of keep the ball in front of them and not give up the big play. So that's what we're facing. We're kind of going to face that next week, too, against UCLA. So I think the focus should be on – when you can't really tell the players this, that you're looking ahead because you don't want to send that message, but – Really, we need to win one of the next two games to be in the championship game, and it's pretty clear that I think Washington is going to be the team we're playing. So in order to have success against them, you're going to be, need to be very crisp and I, uh, offensively and execute and be very precise about everything you do, and that's what you're going to be looking for in this game and the next game. 
And it's interesting, you, you were out of practice yesterday, and uh, which would have been Wednesday. Uh, we are recording this on Thursday. And you said you noticed something about where Clay Helton was paying attention to during practice, and that could be kind of a hint of what you're saying. He wants to clean up some spot in a certain area. Where was he paying attention to? Yeah, I, I, I just noticed him around around uh, the quarterbacks more. I mean, I you know, I watched the quarterbacks because that's – I watch them throwing one-on-ones. I watch seven-on-seven. I'll go down and watch the defense a little bit, too, just because, you know, try to take it all in and understand what everybody's doing. But but I did notice that Clay was spending more time around the quarterbacks. He usually wanders around a little more. And so I think a lot of that comes into play, like, you know, seeing the almost the almost pick six we had that was dropped um, against Arizona. I mean, that, that Sam almost threw. Um, and the interception in the end zone. I think just looking at those things to say, okay, and, and Clay's the kind of guy I think that says, okay, where's where's there an issue? I'm gonna dig. I'm gonna dig into that and really put myself right in the middle of that, and we'll see if we can uh, kind of tighten some things up, or maybe just an extra set of eyes will help in that situation. So I think that's what he's doing and getting ready for that Washington game. Let me ask you about two specific plays. You brought up the interception, yeah. and there was a lot. There was a lot of talk on the message board saying, you know, why are you throwing the ball in that situation? And it's easy to to, to look back in hindsight. But Aka Cedric Ware had put together a very good drive. It was a, a 98 yard drive, and he ran the ball or caught the ball for 74 of those 98 yards. Um, a lot of people saying, okay, just feed it to Aka Cedric in that point, reward him, get him into the end zone. What were your thoughts on that particular play? Well, I, I think like everybody else, I mean, we'd run the ball so successfully on that drive, and then you had the uh, 12 men on the field penalty or 13 men on the field, whatever it was that Arizona committed, and so you had a you had another set of downs, half distance of a goal, first and goal, and so I think that interception was on second down, second and three. Or it was, and and it was a different formation. We kind of went trips out there, and so. You really had just had just they had no answer to stopping the run that entire drive. We were running. Um, Daniel Emoto Baby was doing a great job on the tight end, tight end position, um, blocking his guy and sliding off and taking a corner on a couple of times. And we just ran behind him. And and uh, again, we were Voorhees we were, was pulling. It was great to see him pulling and getting out in front in a lot of runs. And we were just really dominating him at that point. I don't think we need anybody in the stadium kind of said we probably don't need to throw it there, but it's. You know, it's easy to second guess when you're not oh, sure. you're not the guy in the booth making the call, play calls, and uh, you know, element of surprise often works. So, um, if nobody in the stadium thought we were going to throw the ball, probably no one on the Arizona staff thought we would either. Um, I'm just surprised at the throw. I, I don't know, you know, his vision might have been blocked, but there were three guys standing right there um, yeah, that was, in front of the that, receiver. That was a tough so one, it was just throw it out of the end zone, and it's third down. You know, on the three. Did, did, so. did you see Aka Cedric's reaction when the play call came in? Um, and hearing that it was a pass, he he showed a little motion right there. He uh, no, I, he didn't like no, the call. I did, not. <laughs> I did not see that, but that's a running back. Just like they're just like wide receivers. You know, they come back to the huddle or come back on the sideline and tell you they're always open. And so you always, always have to open. Discount, you know, the reaction from uh, backs or as a quarterback, you have to 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 kind of discount that a little bit. <laughs> and then the, uh, the the fourth and one play uh, on the first drive, at the end of the first drive, when, when Sam did not get it. Um, our, our fourth down execution over the course of the season ha- has not been great, and Clay has addressed that, saying, yeah, I wish we were better on fourth down. Um, 
talk about that play, what, what, what you saw and how that was executed. I think you're talking about the quarterback sneak, Gary. And uh, it was first of all, it was great to see us finally run one under right. center. Under and, center. And uh, that was great to see. And uh, I was just curious why Sam took a step back first to kind of – sometimes that's a technique used to ch- sort of let the block set up. But, you know, when you only need a y- yard with a very athletic quarterback that can just kind of plant his back foot and drive. I mean, I, I ran a lot of quarterback sneaks, and I thought they were they were just – if you knew how to find a gap and just keep driving your legs, they were very tough to stop. But the minute you change, start your momentum backwards and then come forward again, you kind of miss the part of the concept of that quarterback sneak being tough to stop is kind of taken away. And what happened was um, uh, our tackle kind of blocked down and, and, and the guy, the guy came off the edge from Arizona, and there were actually two guys. There was a tackle and defensive end. And if everybody had just gone man blocking straight ahead and got a nice surge, we would have had that first down easily. And Sam just took the ball and went forward from the snap. So I think that was kind of the technique we used. And um, was I don't know what the game plan, what they saw, but just a quarterback sneak shouldn't be overthought. It should just be a very simple play where you find a gap, get low, and drive your legs and have the lineman, lineman just, just give a surge. So um, now I will tell you I watched the UCLA game against Colorado, and um, they had three or four situations where they're third and one or fourth and one, and they got great surge against the Colorado offensive line, defensive line. So that should not be a problem this week, but it'll be a little tougher um, again, against Washington in three weeks in the Pac-12 championship game. And like you alluded to earlier, it's, it's a fine line of that balance between focusing on the opponents and, and the next opponent there. But as you and I were talking, you, you definitely have one eye on what you might be seeing in a couple of weeks. So it's interesting to see how Clay Houghton uh, balances that. But let's just take that all out of consideration. Let's get a win this Saturday. Let's get a spot in that game. And then we just get to play UCLA for the sake of beating the Bruins. Yeah, you need one of two, and then you're you're. If you get this one, then that's another problem because you're already in the Pac-12 title game. Now, how do you approach UCLA, right? But that's a good problem to have, and uh, and I think anybody would take that in this situation. And it, the month of November, once again, is 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 good for the Trojans. I mean, we've done this a number of times, especially under Clay's head coaching um, leadership. Uh, the month of November has been something that we've kind of uh, rallied behind and, and, and really just played our best football. So hopefully that continues. Let's have a good one on Saturday. All right, Gary. Fight on. Thanks, John. Kevin Bruce. Uh, Kevin, a lot at stake for the Trojans, obviously, on Saturday in Boulder. And uh, when you're looking at the matchup, I think the USC defense going up against the Colorado offense it, it is fairly intriguing because there's a lot of veteran bodies uh, guys that we have seen before on the Colorado offense, and uh, they've got a quarterback we saw last year. They got three senior receivers, but they have a tailback who is kind of sneaking up on everybody with the numbers he's put up. He's Colorado's all-purpose yardage leader. We're talking Philip Lindsay, um, back-to-back thousand-yard receivers. This guy's legitimate. What are you seeing as the priorities for the USC defense in this game? Yeah, it's interesting, and it's one where clearly the uh, USC defense has to maintain, and people get tired of hearing this, but, quote, gap integrity. That means you play your assignment, and it's a one-gap 
based defense for the most part. Um, therefore, there are, everybody has a gap and a responsibility, and then there's reads in certain players. Well, that means that you know, by controlling the gaps, um, we take uh, Lindsay really out of the game from a, a game-breaking kind of role, uh, or third and short conversions make those extraordinarily difficult by getting into the backfield and you know breaking down their blocking assignments, et cetera. Then we can focus on what I believe is a real threat, and that's the quarterback. Uh, Montez is a very good quarterback, a strong kid, rocket of an arm. Uh, we're playing at some altitude. The ball's going to carry a little further. He can throw the darn thing 70 yards if he wants. Uh, someone's got to catch it, of course, but, you know, there's that piece in the And you're right, they've seen your receivers. So it's, it's an offense that can be productive. It's an off uh, Colorado offense. It's an offense that can cause our defense some issues. It's not an overly complex offense. Uh, it's not a extraordinarily physical uh, offense. Um, their point of attack blocking and, and related schemes are are straightforward enough. But and this is the big big uh, issue in my mind. If we come in with 90% effort, we're really going to just make things a whole lot more difficult than they need to be. I want to see us go out there with a killer instinct and just just take this to the opponent right from the you know the kickoff straight through. Don't take the foot off the gas, uh, you know, foot off the throat. I don't know whatever metaphor you like. Uh, picture it up, but play hard, smart football. Then when we look up and toward the end of the third quarter, it's not going to be close. Uh, you know, Colorado will be starting to put their twos in, and we can do the same. And wouldn't that be nice for uh, to finally have that kind of game this year and to have that be one that clinches a Pac-12 South title and puts you in the title game? Kevin, is it amazing to me when you consider the stat that you – and obviously you have the sanction years in there, but that USC has not won a conference title since 2008? That's too long. It, it, it clearly is too long. And it, it's bizarre, honestly. And, yes, the sanctions, frankly, uh, discounts some of the observation. But, you know – Honestly, uh, we, we've uh, with with the various penalties and just you know digging our way out, digging our way out, out from under uh, that whole you know uh, burden of uh, the sanctions. You know, now here's the time. Well, look, let's take care of business. Exactly. And let's let's learn how to play championship football. Let's you know take care of business and then get get ready for UCLA and let's go hang a whole lot of points on those guys. I want to talk about a couple guys on the defensive side of the ball because. Um, looking down on the line, well, first let's do one stat that really USC made a big deal about. And I remember one point we were talking coming into the season, and one of the talking points was, where's the consistent pass rush going to come from from the Trojans? How's that going to happen? Kevin, USC is leading the nation in sacks. Yeah. Did that catch you off guard when you hear that number? (laughs) It does, actually. And and they've come in groupings, too, if you look at it. And it's – you know, well done. Uh, we, you know, five last game against a team that didn't have five, or had right. I, I guess a total five all season. We 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 put five on them. I mean, right. That, that's a lot of sacks. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. And then they look up and say, yeah, but you know, by the way, we gave up 35 points. Uh, oops. Uh, you know, those, those are the things about statistics that I, I just you know I find interesting. It's one of my favorite sayings is you know. If you if you torture the data long enough, it'll confess to anything. So we've got a lot of sacks, but we we've given up some points too. So, uh, uh, but nonetheless, look, it's something to be uh, uh, 
I think pretty pleased about uh, Christian Rector, who hasn't played for the you know, last two games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, leads the uh, I think the pack in sacks, right? Six and a half or something. Well, I think uh, I think I think Rasheem Rasheem Green has inch passed him. Um, okay, that's good. On, on his way to the kind of season that we were hoping Rasheem would have. Boy, yeah, he's, played he, well. he's played well. Actually, he's just been one of uh, even on a, on a tough day. And I, I can think back to the Notre Dame game. That was just a it was a long day for everybody other than Notre Dame, but uh, it was a tough day for him. Uh, and they just went, they, Notre Dame, just went after him. Well, you, you set that aside, and you look at how he's responded to that. He, he's not even playing at 100% health right now, you can tell. Mm-hmm. His ankles mm-hmm. is wonky, and he's a tough young man. He's, he plays well, and he plays really smart football. And you, you don't think of that so much when you're in the on the line of scrimmage and, you know, got bodies are flying around and figure, well, you got the this gap, that gap, get upfield and grab something. Now there's a lot more going on there, especially in a, in a fender gas based uh, defense. Rasheem gets it, and and he does command a lot of attention uh, from the uh, opposing offense. Really should open things up for others along the line of scrimmage in that in that uh, the box area, right? And and it does. And, and let's talk about that this weekend, Kevin. It's very possible that we're going to put a front four down there of Olawole Batuku, Rasheem Green. Uh, Brandon Peely and Jordan Neosefa. That probably wouldn't have been the lineup you would have guessed at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's one out of four. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I so let's talk. Let's talk about yeah. Wole and then possibly Levi Jones as well at that outside spot. And then Eosefa. Talk about obviously talk about what this young man did last week. I thought for that first game out there, boy, he showed himself well. He, he really did, and uh, you know you. you you like all the the, the the toolkit that Jordan brings to the uh, to the you know, game anyway. How he played last week, I thought was really uh, marvelous. You know, look, yeah, he got out of position a, a couple of times, about three times in the second half. Um, got got tricked a little bit, uh, influenced by some movements, and and was specifically targeted by Arizona in the second half. Um, with some of that influencing. So as a result, uh, he learned a lot, uh, recovered, uh, plays really nice brand of football. I like it. It's intelligent football. It's athletic football. And it's also physical football. I really, I, I just, it's a complete package. It's what you want to see in a linebacker. I'm, I'm delighted he's there and I'm glad he's really, you know what? He's almost a veteran now for crying out loud. That's what's so crazy about it. Yeah, and that is true. And what's interesting, Helton mentioned after practice yesterday, he goes, hey, we, we did have the idea in our mind that, you know, Jordan could either be an inside linebacker or an outside linebacker. I, I would dare to say he looked better at outside linebacker in that one game than he's looked at inside linebacker so far. I wouldn't mind giving him a little longer look there at outside linebacker and see how that might look in the offseason heading into next year. Yeah, it's actually a really good point because playing outside backer has its own challenges, of course. But one of the things that you have is you know where the pressure is coming from. It's coming from the inside out, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're looking, you're always looking in or in, into the backfield through either a tight end, H back, or nobody, right? So and you're open. Uh, sometimes you flex out. There's a lot of space involved that you have to work with. So that's where the athleticism and speed comes from and the requirement comes from. Inside linebacker, there's bodies flying all over the place. And you really have to get good very quickly at pattern recognition, uh, blocking pattern recognition, play pattern recognition, and then and reacting very quickly, make the calls and move on. It's, just, it's, it's not that it's more cerebral. It's just that you, you don't have a – you have fractions of seconds to make decisions and you can't stand there thinking about it. Otherwise, frankly, you're going to get run over. And it's a right. different different kind of 
role. The ability to do both is really pretty interesting. Most uh, good outside linebackers don't necessarily make great inside linebackers and vice versa. Occasionally you'll see somebody who has that uh, skill. Jordan may be one. Yeah, real interesting. And then I, I, I want to talk about a guy that's uh, really last week, John Houston, Kevin. Um, was that a case of that's the kind of offense that John Houston, that game is what he should thrive in? And he did last week. He, it is, and he did. And I was very happy for him. And and we needed that type of uh, production and performance uh, from uh, from Houston. Um, he is not the type of linebacker that plays a super physical game for sure. Um, he plays uh, a more athletic speed game, and that uh, type of offense and related uh, read pass option RPOs are related type offenses are really made to order for him. The inside power game, the Notre Dame type approach, Stanford's, what have you, uh, Texas for that matter, by the way, that, those are some of those are those are running quarterbacks, but those are power football running quarterbacks pretty interesting sure, sure. um that that's that's probably not uh right now uh ideally suited for his skill set arizona uh, definitely is and he showed it and he played well and he played in space well uh which i appreciated a lot because that game was a lot about assignment football and reacting um, a couple times he got caught. Uh, everybody gets caught, you know, caught out of position that's just the nature of the game he got on that one throwback touchdown he was out of position by maybe a yard, but that's all it takes. And then as, as we're uh, let's wrap up this podcast, and I want to ask you about uh, Isaiah Langley right now. Biggie Marshall is back. Biggie stayed with the twos this week, and Isaiah stayed with the ones. As you're going to this Colorado game, would you go ahead and leave Langley out there with the ones in combination with Jackie, and just ease Biggie in, or would you put Biggie back out at the, at the starter? Yeah, I, I leave Langley in and let him play. Uh, if Biggie's not 100, 100%, then there's, mm-hmm. there's just no great reason to do that. Langley's playing very well, showing folks what he can do. I've been impressed with his uh, performance. Some of his footwork, you know, needs a little bit of work, but, you know, okay, fine. His ability to react back to the ball is, is improving, uh, and what he has done is, is made, he's made a difference. And um, um, his run support has really been pretty good. Uh, I, I've been impressed with that. Uh, that's an area that you always look at. Biggie's good at that portion of his cornerback play. His really run support is in bubble screens and, and related. Biggie is really tough to to, to uh, play uh, play uh, uh, against. Well, Langley's done a pretty nice job with that. He hasn't been tested as, as strongly uh, with the uh, power you know perimeter game, but uh, what I've seen so far, yeah, I had no problems Langley out there starting and Biggie uh, take another week to get better. It's going to be interesting because uh, Isaiah is kind of the latest guy this year that uh, you know Clancy is always known for not substituting much, and guys have gotten some opportunities and played well. Isaiah, Christian Rector, now Jordan Neosefa. Who knows what happens this week with uh, Olavole or Levi? So uh, an interesting subplot to the game this weekend. So all right, Kevin, let's go out and get a uh, let's go out and get a berth in the title game. Let's go make that happen this weekend. Let's let's go make it happen. Let's go uh, get to Santa Clara and let's take care of business. I like it. Thanks for your time, Kevin. Let's have a good one. Thanks, Gary.